All right. So um, our objectives are the same as what we've been going through um, before. We um, will continue on with number three. We're going to talk about the piece of it that has to do with the discipleship and dominion aspect of deliverance. And so, um, you know, mothers have a big part to play in how deliverance happens. And so we want you to understand, as we've said to you before, we said to you before that, um, that, uh, God doesn't just want you to experience the ministry of deliverance and he does but he also wants you to raise up to be a minister of deliverance in your own life as well. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. And so we talked about the last time, and it's been a few weeks uh, since I've spoken to you. Um, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And um, I talked about the fact that Jesus um, in his own life went through his own private battle because nobody was with him in the wilderness before he did public ministry. But as soon as he came out of doing his own um, private victory and then went into public ministry, he immediately grabbed people around him so that they would be deliverers and ministers as well. Amen. And so just for review, um, because all of us are intended by God to be ministers of deliverance, I gave you these eight principles on you being a minister of deliverance, all right? We said, number one, a minister of deliverance must know his or her identity in Christ, recognize their seat of authority, and be sensitive to the armor of God, that God give you, that the tools that you have to use are God's own tools, be strong in the armor of God, right? Put on the whole armor of God. So God is giving you his armor, his tools to, to use um, to, to move in deliverance, all right? Number two, a minister of deliverance must have a dynamic daily empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit led Jesus. The Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness in some translations and so the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding is necessary for you to walk in the deliverance ministry that God has for you. Three, a deliverance minister must know both the reality of and their authority over evil spirits. We know we you must know that evil spirits do exist. They're not figments of the imagination that they are out there, um, but they are they are real. But you have real authority to overrule them and their influence and impact on your life. Number four. We said a minister of deliverance must take authority over natural things with spiritual roots. Sometimes it is a natural issue, but it can have a spiritual root to it. The woman um, who, who was bowed over all those years, the scripture said it was a spirit of infirmity. Jesus said Satan had bound her. And so she had a physical problem, but there was a spiritual root to it. All right. Number five, a minister of deliverance must keep the main thing the main thing. You must minister the word, for it is the power of God to those who believe, right? Uh, we, we take our primary ministry is the word, and all the things that come off of the word are the things that people experience in their own life. Number six, a minister of deliverance sees darkness and brings the light, right? So you don't just talk about what things are the way they are. You begin to see the solution and speak that and bring that solution into situations. Number seven, a minister of deliverance is moved with compassion. 
you can get tired of people. But a minister of deliverance has to still be compassionate for people in the middle of their challenges. And that 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 compassion within you should move you to begin to to minister to them out of an image of them being delivered. You have to see people beyond sometimes what they can see about themselves. You have to see further for people than people can see for themselves. They may see themselves stuck with this, but you have to be able to tell them, no, I see you beyond this. Right. And so oftentimes God would, particularly with with uh, men in some cases, when he was going out to reach out for men, they would be hiding. And God would say, I think about Gideon. He was hiding from the enemy. And God says, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Now, he didn't look like a mighty man of valor, but God had an image beyond what his own situation was and even beyond how he saw himself. All right. And then finally, finally, number eight, a minister of deliverance engages others into their ministry of deliverance through discipleship. All right. So let's talk about and you don't you don't have to put them up on the screen anymore um, because we're going to talk about who mothers are and what mothers do specifically and understanding them as ministers of deliverance. All right. So that issue about being moved with compassion. A mother has compassion for their children. Sometimes daddies can get tired. Can we talk about it? Daddies have short tempers. But mom, now he can be 50 years old. She's still calling her baby boy. Because there's something in a mother that has compassion. All right. And so that aspect of having being moved by compassion is something that flows naturally from a mother. Solomon understood that. Solomon understood that because there were these um, two women living in the same house. They both had babies. One of them turned over on her baby, killed her baby in her sleep. And then when she woke up, she saw her baby was asleep, but she woke up before her friend. And then she swatched, she switched the babies. So she gave her dead baby to the, to the woman, and then she took that woman's live baby. And then those two women came to King Solomon, who was a young pastor sitting on a throne, and said, um, hey, you know, these... Both of these are claiming that the live baby is, is theirs. And so Solomon had uh, the servants, his armor bearers, bring a sword. He said, cut the child in half. And the baby, the, the mother whose baby it was, the Bible says her heart went out to him. She yearned for her son and said, rather than cut him in half, give him to the other lady. And then the other lady said, no, 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 no. Cut him, kill him, kill him, kill him so that neither of us have him. And she, then Solomon said, the one whose heart went out towards him, that's the real mother. There's something in a woman, a mother, that brings and births compassion for the child. 
That's why the spirit that's calls a child a choice that is can, an inconvenient choice that should be snuffed out for little of no reason is of the devil. Because it violates the very nature of how God created mothers to be. All right. And so what I want you to understand and recognize that as God's leading lady, as one of God's leading ladies, there is a special capacity within you to be a woman of deliverance. You are created to be a minister of deliverance. So I have some definitions here about who a mother is and what a mother does. Let's look at my definition of motherhood. I say motherhood is a kingdom office and an officer established whereby women of God receive spiritual, emotional, and physical seed, multiply them, and then return them to the world, nurture them to their utmost destiny and potential, and recover them in times of crisis, challenge, and critical change. So let's take some time to break that down. As a mother, you have to recognize that motherhood is just as ordained as pastorhood is. That God created the office called motherhood. It is a kingdom office, and the person who lives within that office, God recognizes as a kingdom officer. God recognizes the authority that you have to do the thing that he called you to do because he's the one that gave it to you. All right? And so what is the special capacity of a, of a mother is that that person receives seed, multiplies it, and then presents it back, right? Um, so motherhood works on the basis of receive, multiply, and return. Receive, multiply, and return. The father presents a seed to the mother. She incubates it. She begins to multiply it. It starts really small when it leaves dad. It's really, really small. But there is an inherent in a mother an ability to receive that seed, multiply it, and return it to the world. But not only does she just, you know, sometimes women have a, a disparaging um, perspective about that. He's just a sperm donor. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Now, unless, unless something happened and you were forced you have some participation in that process, usually. Don't happen all the time. So I know there are exceptions, and there are exceptions, but most of the time, you was complicit in the process. All right? And so when that, so, so that seed becomes small, but it begins to take a life of its own inside of her. She receives it and multiplies it. But the intent of God is that the compassion in her heart continues to create an ongoing environment of nurture for that same child. It's not done when the baby's, you know, on the birth certificate day. Right. 
And bred within her is an ability to nurture that child from that time to, to adulthood. All right. And when that child gets in trouble, young or old, there's something that comes out in the mother. Even when the mother's in trouble her own self, she'll put her own issues aside and go out and look after that child. That's why that's why I, I, I'm very sensitive to the fact that there are people who are themselves grandmothers and and so on, um, who still on this day. Go through through some sense of grief and loss. Because their mother is no longer around. And some of that time doesn't seem to be able to get to push it aside. Because that describes the impact that that person has on your life. All right. So I have another definition of motherhood. My acrostic definition of motherhood is that she is a maternal overseer, teacher, healer, exhorter and revealer. She is a maternal. Right. Um, she gives the material. The father, the seed of the father is the pattern. That's why he's paternal. That pattern, she gives it the assignment. She's the material for his pattern. You need a material and a pattern to produce a life. Got that? Paternal is the person who gives the pattern. Maternal is the person who gives the material. The pattern and the material have to come together to produce a life. She's a maternal overseer. She is a teacher. Because that's why the scripture says, don't forsake the law of your mother. She certainly, she certainly is a healer. Lord, Lord, Lord. Uh, mothers have the capacity to put houses together. Because sometimes fathers can be hard-headed. She is an exhorter and she is a revealer. All right. Now, the Hebrew word picture, I did some study on, on this for today. The Hebrew word picture for mother is... She is the first nourisher, the first nourisher, the first one to give nourishment to new life. All right. Um, it also says that she is, it says she's the first, the Hebrew word picture of mother is she's the first water, first water, first water. Why is that important? Because a child is born and incubated in water. Right? Because when you're getting ready to be born, the water breaks and says, it's time for you to get up out of here. She's the first water. She's the first nourisher. Water is also considered the source of life. All right? So that's, all of these are pictures of who a mother is. She is considered the wombed man, the one with the house that's capable of keeping life alive. All right. And from this word that we get, um, the Hebrew word for mother is the word for the word amen. Same root. That means a mother's life. Because what does amen mean? Amen means so be it. It is so. Amen. God's word is yes and amen. That means it's faithful. You can count on it. A mother is a picture of faithfulness in scripture. 
She is a picture of loyalty. A person in scripture who, who is a fearful, afraid person is a person who hasn't been mothered. Motherhood is also considered the source of a nation. The source of the nation, the scripture said in Hebrew, the word for nation, it doesn't say who your father is, it says who your mother is. That's why the scripture says, Jerusalem that is above is the mother of us all. We were born above, from above. Jerusalem, the, the heavenly Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, is the mother of us all. Motherhood determines your nationality. In Jewish culture, in Jewish culture, in Hebrew culture, your nationality as a Jewish person is not determined by your father. It's determined by your mother. In other words, if a Jewish man marries a non-Jewish woman and has a child, that child is not considered Jewish. On the other hand, if a Jewish woman is married to a Jewish man, and then that then they bear a child. That child is considered Jewish. All right. Pastor, is that important? Well, look at I got a scripture here. I think it's in there. Hebrews 11, 24. Do you have that? By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He took he said, hold it, hold it. I'm not from your nation. His mother determined what nation he was from. So he said, no, no, no. No, no, no. Y'all hooked me up. You know what I'm saying? I much respect to you. But that woman is not my mother. My mother's named Jacobed. He said, my father is named Amram, and I can trace my, my lineage back to Levi, who could trace his lineage back to Abraham, to, to Isaac, and then to, to, to Jacob, to Isaac, and then to Abraham. So he could he was like, listen, listen, I know who my mama is. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right. So what we're going to do today is look at the role of motherhood and deliverance. We're going to spend some time. We're just going to walk through Hebrews chapter 11 and we're going to pick out some of the key, the MVP mothers. The mothers of that are that are valuable players in people's deliverance. All right. Look at Hebrews 11. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2, then I'm going to skip down to verse 6, and we'll go from there. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders, the elders. So everybody that's listed in here from Scripture is an elder. For by it, for by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. All right? All right. Now look, skip down to verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a reward of those who diligently seek him. Now, let's see the mothers who 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 through faith walked in spiritual maturity in their assignment as maternal overseers, teachers, healers, exhorters and revealers who walked in assignment to do the deliverance that God had created them for. Let's look at verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself, by faith, Sarah herself. That means she wasn't piggybacking on Abraham's faith. She learned how to believe God independent of him. She had her own belief in God for her seed. 
By faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. All right. So the first thing is, remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. She hoped for something. She had evidence of it. Even when the time was passed, because she believed that the God who promised it to her was faithful. And remember, what did I say at the beginning? Motherhood is the picture of faithfulness. Because a mother will stick with you when everybody else then got tired. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Now, let's let's show. Um, not only did Sarah have faith to conceive her seed, but she also had faith to deliver her seed. Let's look at Genesis 21, 8 through 12. So the child grew and was weaned and Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw that the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had bore to Abraham, scoffing. She was making he was making fun of his little brother. Therefore, she said to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. But God said of Abraham, do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you. Listen to her voice, for an Isaac your seed shall be called. So he was saying, I'm Jehovah, I approve her message. Isn't that what that said? Whatever she said, do what she said. All right. Now, in a few verses later, he said, I'm gonna look out for, I'm gonna look out, you know, for little Ishmael, but the blessing is on Isaac. And so she was very clear that the environment that her child was going to be nurtured in had to be one, had to be an environment of peace where he wasn't always getting picked on by his big brother. Because sometimes you have siblings and sometimes big brothers like pick on little brothers. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> sometimes big brothers pick on little brothers until little brothers get big and can't, can't be picked on no more. <laughs> and so he, she was saying, no, I can't have my son, the son of promise, brought up in an environment where he, he loses self-confidence because his big brother keeps picking on him every day. Now, that, was, that in and of itself was a deliverance. She was seeing an issue, and she was seeing where it would go down the road. So she was like, I'm going to nip this one in the bud. All right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that was a whole deliverance issue all by itself, wasn't it? Now, let's look at um, let's look at um, the mother of Moses. Hebrews eleven twenty three. You getting blessed by this? Yes. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents, 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 both of them, because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. So these parents, these parents, I gave you the name. The father's name was Amram. Amram, Levi, Jacob or Israel, Isaac and Abraham. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, 
Levi, Amram, Moses. So Moses was six generations from Abraham. Okay? Just walked you down there. Pastor, yeah, yeah, you know, your pastor, he, he get the details. All right. And, um, and this passage tells us that these parents, Amram and his wife, whose name was Jacobed, saved this child. All right. But I want to tell you some more about that. But let me give you the statement here. Let me, I got a key statement here. When you have a problem, God has a baby, but you must, here's, here's the deliverance piece, you must deliver the deliverer that is born to deliver you. And I gave you both Jesus' example and Moses' example. Jesus' parents had to deliver him from Herod so he could rise up and deliver them from Herod. Moses' parents had to deliver him from Pharaoh so that he could deliver them from Pharaoh. All right? That, that's a mother's responsibility. Now, Hebrews describes what I call the partnership of faith, Hebrews eleven twenty three. In other words, the parents were working together. In God's economy, both parents should be working together to save and advance the life of the seed. All right. But if one of them is slow to the punch, the other one don't sit around and wait for that one to get in the game. I'm not going to wait for the other one to get in the game. I'm going to do what I could do. All right. Now. In, in Hebrews, it says both of them were believing. But your Bible says faith without works is dead. And, and Moses would have been dead if, if Jochebed hadn't got up and did something with what they were believing. Now, if it was Father's Day, I would talk about Joseph and Mary because Joseph was the one that did it on for Jesus. Okay, but it's not Father's Day, so you brothers step aside. I'm talking to the sisters right now. All right? So the sisters had to rise up. Now, Moses, in his own words, even though the author of Hebrews said both parents were involved in it, Moses, in his own words, told us that his mother was the MVP. Let's look at it. Exodus chapter 1, I'm going to read verse 22, and then I'm going to read all the way down to chapter 2, verse 10. So Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. Now, he started this after Aaron was born. So Aaron was above the age, but when he started this, he said they, they're getting too many of them. I'm going to set um, abortion clinics in the, in the ghetto so that we can kill out um, all the minority children. All right. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as a wife a daughter of Levi. Right. His name was Jack, uh, Amram. Her name was Jacobet. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hit him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. So she put him in a little boat and his sister, his sister Miriam. Right. So Aaron and Miriam are all Moses was the youngest. Stood afar off to know what would be done for him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. Her maidens walked along the riverside. When she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent 
her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him. See, even though she wasn't his natural mother, she still had this compassion. And said, this is one of the Hebrews children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew woman that you may that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said, take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you welfare. I mean, I will give you your wages. Now what that said? She got the same government that was killing children was paying for this one. See, God have a way, don't he? So the woman took the child and nursed and the child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son so that she called his name Moses saying, because I drew him out of the water. All right. So in Moses case, it was his mother that made and his and his big sister. Thank God for mama and for big sister. All right. They worked that thing, didn't they? You know, some of your deliverances, so, you know, you know, I have four sisters. Each one have different personalities. But there is even in, even among siblings, sometimes there's one that's more motherly than the rest, even among siblings. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, you know, I, I, I saw my oldest sister who is here with this praise God, healthy and God is is working, working things with her. And I saw my second oldest sister when she got in trouble, go down and start to do the mama thing. Mm -hmm. No, she went down there. She handled the business. We was all stepping to the side. Like, let's just get out of her way. <laughs> she handled it. Right. Just like Miriam. Miriam handled that situation. That could have went a lot of different ways, didn't it? But she stood up for her baby brother. And God moved on her faith. Yeah. Now, she wasn't even a parent. Yeah. See, I, I just want you to broaden your mind about how far your motherhood deliverance capacity is. She was still a child. And she got in there and she worked that thing. Shall I give you a nurse for this child? Yeah, his own mama. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? I mean... And see, God hid the deliverer from Egypt in the palace. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, I, I just want you to understand what can happen when you take your assignment to be a deliverer. Seriously. God, God will move stuff if you move with him. Come on. Say amen. Now, here's a mother deliverer that we, you know, Everybody tends to look at the two. You've heard me preach, but I got a new one today. I got a new one today. We're going to talk about the harlot Rahab. What? What? Yeah. She was the prostitute. Okay. Okay. All right. That's the start of the story. Let's see where the story finishes. All right. Hebrews 11, 31. Let's look at, let's look at Rahab for a second. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Remember, she was the one who was the, the prostitute who had her house on the walls of Jericho. Brought in the spies who were coming in to spy out the land. She told them, we scared of you. We scared. We really scared. And they said, because you saved us, when we come to slay the city, we will save you and anybody that's in your house. Now, they can't go outdoors. It's not the day to be playing in the street. 
Say, this is the day to be in. I'm curfew. Nobody, nobody wanted to leave the house that day. You know what? I never said it this way, but just like when the death angel was going through Egypt and they put blood on the walls, she put that scarlet cord around and, and the death angel was going all through that city and her house was saved because she had that. She had her own Passover. Look at uh, Joshua chapter six, verse 23. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them and left them outside the camp of Israel. She delivered her whole family. Her whole family got delivered. Now, she was a better partner to God's people than some of the Jews, because you remember Achan was here stealing tithes and offerings, and she was on the outside helping the church move forward. Sometimes your greatest partners are not the people that come to the church all the time. Sometimes it's folk in the street that believe in you, pastor, more than the people that's inside the house. I ain't mad at nobody, but that's true. All right? But listen, it doesn't stop here. Now, she started... She started outside of the camp. But hold it, somewhere along the line, she got her act together. Started coming to church, went through foundations class, got all of that stuff of her past off of her, right? Because eventually she married a man named Salmon, who was the son of Nashon. Now, Nashon was the leader, the prince of the tribe of Judah. Oh, you married one of the elder sons. Her son from, from, from um, Salmon in the book of Ruth is a man named Boaz. Anybody heard of Boaz? Did you know Boaz's mother was Rahab? Did you know that? And through Boaz, she comes down from Boaz, you get to Jesse, and you get to David, to Solomon, and you get all the way down to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So where you start don't have to be where you end up. In Matthew chapter one, verse five, it lists her name in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. You got it. So I just want you to understand that, you, you know, she she wasn't even pregnant. She wasn't having no child. Nothing had happened, but she. She saved her whole family, and, and through that process of believing God, she not only saved her extended family, but she gave birth to David and to Jesus. Wow. That's some real deliverance there. Now let's go to, to chapter, to verse 35. This is the one I really wanted to get to. We're just going to read the first part of this. Women received their dead raised to life again. That mothers, because the two women that is referenced here were both mothers. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't do the scripture any injustice if I said mothers receive 
their dead children raised to life again. They did it by faith. You know, the interesting thing is that neither of these women were Jewish. Remember, Elijah said, there were many widows. Jesus said of Elijah, he said, there was many widows. When the famine was three and a half years, there were many widows. And God sent Elijah down to, Jeze to, to Jezebel's home country. Sidon was Jezebel's country. Those were her peoples. See, God got a sense of humor. He hid Elijah in a house in Jezebel's home country when her husband was searching all around the world trying to figure out where he was. He was doing, the, the scripture says, he put a bolo out on him, you know, be on the lookout. He put, he put a worldwide APB out on him and hid Elijah in Jezebel's home country. And there was a widow there who took care of him. All right. And because of her partnership, she pulled things out of the preacher that the preacher didn't know he had. He didn't know. He, he knew he knew he had a, 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 a prosperity anointing. But he didn't go there saying, oh, I didn't raise the dead. He didn't have he didn't have a bunch of testimonies like that. But watch, watch her pull this out. All right. First Kings 17, 16 through 24. It says the benefit. Flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which she spoke by Elijah. See, she prophesied, she sold to the man of God and she received harvest. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick and his sickness was, was so serious that there was no breath left in him. He, he was sick and he died. So she said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to, to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son. And he said, give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, my God, you also have brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodged by killing her son. And he stretched him out and he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, my God, I pray. Let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came back to him and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah says, see, your son lives. Then the woman said to Elijah, now by this, I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. Now, Elijah didn't go there saying, oh, I got a, I got a resurrection anointing. He didn't say that. Now, he told her he had a prosperity anointing. He told her, the Lord has spoken to me. The bear won't fail. I know, I know how to believe God for money. But he didn't, he didn't go in there believing God. He was like, God, what's up, man? I thought, <laughs> what's happening to my partner, Lord? I mean, she's been hooking the brother up. What you doing? But he, she pulled, she pulled. See, mothers have a capability to pull stuff out of you you didn't even know you had. Listen here, I need something for my boy, and I need you to do something about it. I'm your partner, so I need you to do, I need you to hook a sister up. Now let's look at 2 Kings chapter 4. Now that was Elijah, his spiritual son Elijah had the same kind of thing. Now she was uh, she was in Shunem, 
She wasn't, you know, th these were these were pagan peoples that was around the children of Israel. But she believed that he was a man of God. Now, it happened on, on um, one day that Elisha went to Shunem and there was a notable woman and she persuaded him to eat food. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. She said to her husband, look, now I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Let us make a small room, upper room on the wall and let him. Let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there. He turned to the upper room and lay down there. Then he said to Gehazi, servant, call the shoot of my woman. And he's, when he had called her, he said to her, say now to her, look, you have been concerned with us from all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She said, listen, I'm, I'm cool. I got all my stuff. I got this. I ain't looking for nothing. I dwell among my own people. You know what? I got money. I'm living good. Everything's everything. Go on to the next one. So he said, what shall be done for her? And Gehazi said, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. So he said to her, what he so he, so he said, he said, call her when he had called her. She stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, now, come on now, preacher. Don't play with my emotions. No, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to you. Don't play with my emotions. I have been wanting a child a long time. Do not get me in my feelings again. She was like, I'm cool. You know what? She had, she's like, I didn't put that part of my life to bed. I just done moved on. Just let it go. We're going to keep on moving. <laughs> don't, don't play with me, man of God. Now look at verse 17. But the woman conceived a bore son when the appointed time had come, of which Elijah had told her. Now, um, a few verses later, what we see is that the woman, um, her son was out with his dad working in the field and had a heat stroke and died. I'm just, for the sake of time, I'm just kind of walking you through the short version. Now, let's look down at verse 32. And then she said, the dad just said, take, told the servants, take him to his mother. And mama said, I got this. <laughs> and she's like, I'm taking this boy to the man of God. Look at verse 32. And when Elijah came into the house, there was a child lying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands and stretched himself out on the child. And the flesh of the child became worn. He returned and walked back and forth in the house. And again, went up and stretched himself out on the child. Then the child sneezed seven, seven times and the child opened his eyes and he called Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite woman. He said he called her. And when he, she came to him, he said, pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet, bowed to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. Now, at the beginning of this, there were some verses I skipped. She grabbed the feet of the man of God <laughs> and, and the usher was trying to move him out the way. Like, what you doing? Don't be grabbing the preacher. What you doing? What you doing? Pastor Elijah said, leave her alone. Leave her alone. Grief's in her, and I, the Lord hadn't told me. See, you only know what the Lord tells you. The man of God is not God. <laughs> he only knew what God had told him. You know, and the first time he sent the servant out to do it, but this one was bigger than the servant could do. And she said, I'm not letting you go. 
She, she had the servant take his staff and lay it on him, but this was bigger than the staff. Right? But she, she, she received, she pulled something out of Elisha that he did not even know he had. All right? Mothers, I want you to know that there's enough faith in you to raise your children from the dead. That's what these scriptures tell you. You can pull on God in a certain way. Now, it doesn't have to be physical death. It could be spiritual death. I was going to a place of mental death. And the Lord asked Apostle, do you believe that I can turn this around? And I was going, y'all, I was going down. And she believed and something clicked in my head. My mind just opened up. But it started with the faith that believed in resurrection power. All right. One last scripture and then a definition. Proverbs 31.10. Who can find a virtuous woman? We're going to deal with that word virtuous for her price is far above rubies. Go on to my next page. That word there for virtuous is the Hebrew word child. Um, this word does, is not just a word that's only applied to women. It's talking about force, resources, an army, wealth. Sometimes you'll see this term when it talks about men of valor. It's the same word. Strength, wealth, riches, a host. What it's saying is a woman of virtue is a one woman army. In fact, in modern Hebrew, this would be called, if you were in modern Hebrew, a, a modern Jewish person, they, if this was described a woman, it would, it would be used to describe a woman soldier. Now, you got to understand, in, in Israel, because they are surrounded by hostile forces, everybody, male and female, is drafted in the army for a certain age range. And then women fight right next to the men. What God is telling you is when it comes to the deliverance of your seed, God, God's giving you all the tools, all the weapons you need to stand, stand with your husband if you have to, but if you got to, you can stand alone. He will recognize and respect the power that he has given you to be the deliverer that he has made you to be. Amen. I want you to take that authority and meditate that I'm raised up on behalf of my, of my children, even on behalf of my community to be a deliverer. I'm going to start here next week. Uh, just cause I did, I just, this was enough for the day, but I'm going to talk about Deborah that she understood she was raised up to be a deliverer in her community. I want you to understand who you are and the capacity that God has put in you. Come on, let's stand.